0: Success factors, I think that you understand that this is a journey, that you create small wins before you can have actually big wins. You always work cross-functional. I mean, communications is not an island. It is integral to the organization. The more communications and sustainability are more mainstreamed into the organization, the better the results. You can't just communicate externally You need to have the buy-in of your employees first. We're talking about 45,000 employees. And unless your own people are buying your story, are um, in tune with your story, are supporting your story, I think you have a problem.
1: Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Future Ready Podcast where we explore how to build future ready organizations in a new never normal. My name is Anna Cutting, founder of Cosin and your host. Sustainability is more important today than ever before and companies are being called upon to take concrete, tangible actions and shift their corporate culture and value chain to sustainable models. In our new sustainability season on Future Ready, we aim to answer this call by speaking with communication professionals and experts in the field and discussing their insights and perspectives on this important challenge. Today's guest has extensive experience in the field of sustainability. Zeynep Erzbil is Executive Director, Global Communications at Archelig Group, a global manufacturer and marketer of consumer goods and consumer electronics with over 45,000 employees worldwide. Arcelik is the home of 12 renowned brands such as Beko or Grundig. Zeynep's experience, including working for international organizations such as UNICEF and the World Bank, has provided her with valuable insights into the pursuit of more sustainable businesses and sustainable society. In today's episode, we are talking with Zeynep about how to develop sustainability strategies, set impactful KPIs, and communicate them effectively to leaders and employees. Zeynep, welcome to the Future Ready Podcast.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Zeynep, can you tell us a little bit more about your own background and your in a way, your own personal sustainability journey?
0: I am a political scientist by training, and my grad school work focused mainly on um, sustainability and development economics to follow from political science. So I guess I could say that my career started out as one in sustainability and impact work, Mm -hmm. uh, which is quite different than uh, a lot of communications professionals' backgrounds. Um, Usually people move from comms to sustainability. In right. my case, it was quite the opposite. Um, I spent um, over a decade working for international organizations like UNICEF and the World Bank, doing a lot of impact world globally. And then I ended up in the communications arena about 15 years ago.
1: Uh, interesting. And you just mentioned your, your, your background at UNICEF and, and World Bank. So how do you feel this background, this experience has influenced or shaped your approach to sustainability in the corporate settings today.
0: Um, I think when you work for an international organization doing a lot of impact work, you get to develop a, a sense of understanding, a competence, and a skill set focusing on the issues. So it's it's a deep dive into the issues, and then when you move into the corporate sector um, as a communications professional, is where you find yourself in a situation where you actually just tell the story around these issues it makes a lot more sense because you understand the concepts better. You understand where the story can go. But not only in terms of a storytelling perspective, you also use your background to sort of navigate the organization, um, to even in ways lead the organization um, to develop itself in the arena of sustainability, social and economic impact. So it really makes a difference to have that kind of um, issue expertise going into A corporate arena, I think.
1: Mm. And does it also help you when setting up partnerships with NGOs or other international organizations because you know how they tick and what their, uh, you know, strategic objectives are? I guess. No,
0: no. I mean, absolutely. Having experience as a social policy expert in those leading institutions provided me with a global perspective and the ability um, to integrate a humanitarian approach into the corporate agenda. But having worked with a lot of NGOs while working for international organizations, you understand them. You understand where they're coming from, what they bring to the table, what their strengths are, but also what their weaknesses are. So when you're going into to set up partnerships with organizations, you actually utilize um, that kind of um, know-how to, to very positive effect. So, yes, it definitely helped me a lot.
1: Mm. So today we are in the second episode of our sustainability season here on Future Ready, and it will be all about developing a sustainability strategy and and also how to shape you know KPIs and engage you know the organization on that. But before we delve into the communications um, and uh, you know, communication related elements, let's start a little bit more. General. So, what does sustainability mean at Archelik?
0: Well, first of all, sustainability means everything uh, at Archelik. We're a large manufacturing company, a global company with over forty, like um, forty-five thousand employees worldwide. We carry global household appliance brands like Beko and Grundig that your um, listeners could be familiar with. Um, and at Archelik, we put sustainability at the center. Um, of our business strategy, really. We are a global organization. We have over 30 um, manufacturing facilities across the globe. And it's it's really critical for us to integrate our sustainability approach into our business throughout our entire um, value chain. And it is also really critical that this vision of sustainability is actually communicated extensively from top management to all employees um, Around the organization. When you're looking at a global company, um, sustainability means a lot of things. It means Mm -hmm. you need to focus on everything from procurement to production, distribution to lifecycle design. Uh, You need to find a way to channel all your efforts towards the sustainability topic. And with the technology we develop to make the world a better place, Um, we take concrete steps every day. We believe the long-term social benefits of focusing, having the sustainability strategy focus can be achieved by collaborating with stakeholders, including public institutions, NGOs, but also our, our consumers themselves. So it's a, it's a very elaborate, it's a very, very integrated approach. And if I can elaborate a little bit more on that, I think Please. our sustainability strategy is really based on three main pillars. It's being in touch with with our planet, so it's the environment. We strive to differentiate ourselves with the products and um, technologies to endorse that endorse sustainability. Uh, We focus on efficient use of resources, circular economy solutions, but also we try to make sure that what we do is is really in touch with with human needs. Having a more inclusive and equal social structure is not um, easy but we try to develop smart technologies that make it easier and accessible for people so that they can live um, happier, healthier lives, more sustainable lives. Um, and also there's that element of being in touch with our business, with, with our industry. Through our strategic investments in green energy, energy efficiency, we aim to achieve robust emission reduction targets and align ourselves with with global goals, so it's a very holistic um, issue.
1: Okay, quick pit stop to dive a little bit deeper in the concept of circular economy. According to the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, a circular economy means economies and markets that encourage the reuse of products rather than throwing them away and then extracting new resources. Quite obvious. This means that all types of waste are recycled back into the economy or used more efficiently, which allows for the protection of the environment, the more sensible use uh, of natural resources, the development of new sectors, the creation of jobs and the development of new capabilities. Back to the interview. Um, Zeynep, what encouraged Archelik to make such a holistic, sustainable Or sustainability-focused transformation, was it more externally driven, so client demands, policymakers, competitors, or more internally triggered, so by your leadership team?
0: Um, The honest answer is is probably it's a little bit of both. I would say that in Archilex's case, it started more internally and caught up with the external framework. It was always a uh, part of our corporate DNA. But listen, I mean, the world has been going through a turbulent times. Um, we have an imminent climate crisis. There's extreme weather events. I mean, we're ex- experiencing geopolitical tensions, an economic meltdown, possibly major disruptions in energy markets. I mean, the l- list is really long. And um, scientists have been ringing the alarm bells for years. And with COVID, I think a certain level of awareness, of, of sustainability also took place, an increased um, level of, of awareness. And in that context, I think sustainable development and sustainability, is, is, is they're more critical than ever. And people do respond to changing climate as they feel the effects in their daily lives directly and really intensely these days. And consumers are convinced that urgent actions are necessary. And They want the business to respond to these challenges. And plain as day, it's not possible for us to continue the way we continue. So yes, Archie has been in this field, working in this area, uh, focusing on sustainability for a long time. But actually, it is also a must. I mean, there is no way of not doing it. You have to change the course.
1: When did it start? When did you embark on this journey? Or when did you transform that organization?
0: I think... um, this has been going on with the company for the last two decades. The sustainability wow. issue has been in our DNA. Over a decade ago, our vision statements clearly started reflecting what we see as a, a sustainable future and respecting the environment and getting respected worldwide in return for the efforts that we've been doing. But its um, I mean, this is a marathon. It's really, you can't say that this is the date when it started happening. It's a transformational journey. So it's been happening little by little, incrementally, every year that we were adding up to, to our efforts. And uh, now that sustainability is beyond uh, nice to have, we are acting as catalysts, as, as a business, and we embed sustainability um, at the core of our strategy to create value for all our stakeholders.
1: Mm, interesting. And so when you do, as we did, the research, your CEO seems to be very vocal about sustainability what role or what contribution did he have to start that sustainability transformation? And what role does he currently play in this journey?
0: Well, change really doesn't happen overnight. Radical transformation that brings sustainability to the core of business requires a culture shift and integration of employees into, into this culture first. and. This is where a corporation's leadership is is really tested, but also it's where it thrives. And one person can actually make a difference and motivate others. And I think in our case, our CEO, Hakan managed to do exactly that. Um, He spearheaded this transition through his personal commitment to sustainable goals. And throughout our transition to a more sustainable business model, um, I think he actually made sure that each department, no matter how small, knew exactly what we were doing and what we were changing in line with climate goals. So, I mean, under his leadership, um, sustainability has become Archelic's north star, I think I can say that. And we integrated every aspect of the business from manufacturing processes to product innovation and development. And we've transformed into a more inclusive, more sustainable, more responsible business with um, far-reaching influence. I think hakan is very passionate as an environmentalist and was in touch with nature also in his personal life, which makes a, a huge difference. For example, back in 2019, in a bid to raise global awareness on the impact of climate change, believe it or not, he climbed Mount Everest. And the point wow. was really to show his commitment and his determination to push himself and his understanding of nature to its limits. And I think it's really important that, you know, as a nature lover, but also as the CEO of a large organization like ours, he's doing his best to draw attention to the crisis. There's that personal life and in professional life, along with being a CEO of a large organization like ours, I think the multiple responsibilities outside of our organization, like being a member of World Economic Forum, CEO Climate Leaders Alliance, or being the industry, lead, um, being the president of Applia, our industry organization. I think, gives him the platforms necessary to call on the private sector, public and consumers to speed up decarbonization efforts at every opportunity. So it's a bundle, really.
1: So he's, he's really super interesting. He's really um, a role model internally, but also has different external stages. True. He...
0: Um, and also, maybe I might add to that is that I think Hakan is also in a unique position that he proves that a global company leader born in an emerging market, can lead its in- industry with a sound sustainability vision. I mean, that gets ears. People pay attention to something like this.
1: Mm. Do you think that this topic of sustainability has more awareness and understanding in the so-called developed countries? Or is there a difference to the emerging countries? How do you see this?
0: Um, I mean, yes, in a way. I mean, the challenges of the development wo- developed world are significantly different than the challenges of, of emerging markets. I mean, think of um, India and, and, and Brazil and, you know, think of entire Asia. I mean, obviously, most of our markets like Bangladesh and Pakistan, some of the areas where demand is growing, where, you know, carbon emissions are on the rise or are expected to rise, there are a lot of challenges. Um, so it might be easier to fix certain problems in Europe compared to um, developing markets um, but it, it, it I mean, the universe, I mean, our world is is one. You can't really separate one from the others. So unless you fix it all, you can't fix anything, right?
1: That's right. So tell us a little bit about Agilex's sustainability transformation um, so far. So bring us back a little bit on how you've developed your strategy. And also, we all know, obviously, the UN um, Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. What role did these SDGs, for instance, played when you defined your own kind of priorities or the areas of focus? Was it something that you included um, in your strategy formulation?
0: Sure. I mean, um, sustainability has been in Archelic's DNA for some time. But our transformation started maybe over a decade ago with our respecting the world, respected worldwide vision now. The first implementation was part of an effort to keep up with regulations and even manage some of the risks that came with them, like Archelik's decision to set up um, its facilities in Turkey to recycle electrical and electronic waste. Over Mm -hmm. time, I think with sea level commitment, sustainability was transformed into a business strategy. Uh, I remember uh, a few years ago, it was really hard to link greenhouse gas emissions with the tangible effects of climate change. However, um, in recent years, intense heat waves, hurricanes, droughts, and floods have been all made far more likely by GHG emissions. And these extreme weather conditions, I think, have changed our understanding of climate urgency. They sort of provide a glimpse into the dire future we may face. Yeah. If we don't act now. So we came to the point that sustainability has the utmost importance in terms of business continuity. And I mean, we are a global uh, powerhouse of household appliances, right? I mean, today our products reach millions of homes and offices across the globe. So it was really important for us to transform our sustainability vision from a nice idea to something that our business lives and breathes You know, when you implement business models at Archilic, we consider economic, environmental, and social impact. And we focus mm-hmm. on a wide range of activities to reduce our carbon footprint. I mean, whether it's material selection or product design or manufacturing and recycling programs. And I think all that effort, the continuous effort, um, allowed us to get the kind of international um, recognition, whether it's the Dow Jones Sustainability Index for the fifth year in a row, we've achieved the highest score um, last year and this year, we're hoping the same, and it's been listed FTSE for Good Emerging Markets Index. So we are a company with really strong ESG um, performance. And add on to that, maybe it's worthwhile mentioning the Terra Carta seal, which we received back in 2021 the seal recognizing um, the efforts of more sustainable companies um, globally. Mm -hmm. I think all these are showing that there is a strong awareness on key ESG matters. And as a company, we deliver.
1: For all listeners who are unfamiliar with the indexes referenced here, here's a little... Brief introduction to them. First, the Dow Jones Sustainability World Index includes the world's leading companies in the field of sustainability and measures the progress of companies in the environmental, social, and governance ESG areas in various industries. Second, Zeynep mentioned the FTSE for Good Emerging Market Index. It's designed to measure the performance of companies in emerging markets that meet the globally recognized ESG integration standards of the FTSE. For goods index series. To be included in these indexes, companies must meet inclusion requirements by fulfilling a set of environmental, social, and governmental criteria. And finally, as mentioned by Zeynep, Archalik received the Terra Carta Seal in 2020. 21, which recognizes global companies that are committed to and drive the creation of sustainable markets. As part of the Sustainable Markets Initiative, the Terra Carta seal is awarded to companies those ambitions align with those of Terra Carta, a plan to restore nature, people and planet and are driving leadership and innovation within their industries. Okay, now back to the interview you mentioned that you're on this journey for decades and even before the formulation of the SDGs, um, Sustainable Development Goals, what is your kind of professional view as a communicator also? What is the role of the SDGs in helping organizations, you know, phrasing their priorities or, um, or phrasing their contribution as an organization to the bigger kind of um, sustainable challenges? Do you see this as beneficial
0: Of course. I mean, uh, that takes me back to more than 20 years ago when we were first talking about uh, millennium development goals um, back in 2000. You know, this has been a journey. I think SDGs do provide a reference point, a very specific set of targets that organizations, countries, companies um, can you know set standards and follow their own performance. Mm-hmm. So they, they sort of even provide a benchmark of where we want to get to at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. So I think it really they really do shape our thinking and give us a strategy, a plan, a route, if you will, um, as long as we do our materiality assessments in the right way, look at the right um, issues that we can actually have an impact on. Listen. I don't think that companies should be focusing on everything. We just need to keep focusing on where we can make the most difference, most impact possible. And I think in that sense, SDGs are very, very important, but you need to be very smart about how you choose them as an organization and how you develop your strategies and implementation plans.
1: Now switching from the kind of strategy formulation into kind of locking sustainability in a business plan and you mentioned that it's kind of an embedded in all the activities that you do in your daily work so where does sustainability live in Archelik, uh, or who's overseeing sustainability in your organization
0: i think it's safe to say that it's everybody you know um we have a sustainability council chaired by our cfo it determines okay. corporate sustainability and climate change policies and strategies, um, ensures the integration with corporate business processes and tracks sustainability right. performance. So that Sustainability Council um, is made up of executive management. So okay. there's the macro, there's the top line. Right. And then we have a Quality Sustainability and Corporate Affairs Directorate, who sort of oversees the company's overall long-term sustainability strategy collaborates on initiatives with various areas of the organization and ensures that company continues to do well on indices. We also have um, coordination groups such as environmental, energy, green chemistry, supply chain. So I think it's really fair to say that sustainability is everywhere and mainstreamed into the organization. And that makes a lot of difference. That's what I would say. I mean, and you need to look at the overall KPIs of the organization from top management to different functional leadership and team members pretty much everyone has a sustainability target um, okay at architec
1: all right so it's embedded in your senior senior leaders' and KPIs objectives sure um And how have you developed those KPIs um, in terms of, you know, the sustainability um, KPIs, and how do you quantify the progress you're making against those KPIs?
0: I mean, at the macro level, um, our sustainability targets are defined through the science-based targets initiative. You know that we have the net zero 2050 targets, but we also have the 2030 science-based target, we aim to have a 50.4% reduction in our absolute scope 1, 2, and 3 emissions by 2030. Okay. Um, so in that large scope, we have uh, the targets of establishing renewable energy systems with 15 megawatts capacity, reduce energy consumption per product by 45%, water withdrawal per product by 45% in manufacturing compared to our 2015 Base year. I mean, there are a couple of others, obviously. So mm. we have the macro targets. So every unit, and this is the responsibility of our sustainability directorate, every unit works on their business plan to actually define their contribution to that target. And we follow them on a, on a yearly basis through our sustainability directorate.
1: Super interesting moving a little bit more into the um, communications world now. So in your IPRA publication, The Great Challenge, Creating, Crafting and Upholding Sustainability Narratives, which I read with really great interest, you detail how the wormhole of cliches when it comes to communicating sustainability narratives often results in difficulty measuring value creation for everyone um, involved. Stakeholders and employees alike. You highlight that the lack of clear and concrete frameworks when discussing sustainability as well as the need for more non-homogeneous, inclusive and diverse leadership teams who can utilize corporate comms to benefit their company's transformation process. So again, really interesting. And could you elaborate a little bit on how you've tackled this issue of sustainability murkiness um, as you described within Archer business practices?
0: I mean, look, um, sustainability can significantly impact a company's reputation. I mean, it's the talk of town, right? Everybody's talking about sustainability right now. But in many ways, when you're looking at environmental issues from energy efficiency to waste management to recycling, you name it, we're also talking about very technical issues um, in the manufacturing area. So if you leave it only technical teams, or at the very high executive level to talk about sustainability, I suspect that you're either going to have a very narrow tech-specific view of it, or you will fall short of making an impact on your regular guy on the street, your consumers, to understand the impact of this issue. So you need to find a way to make sustainability resonate with your different set of stakeholders. Miscommunication with internal teams, employees, shareholders, and customers can make it hard for a company to make an impact and hurt its reputation. Um, this is why I think it's so important for communication professionals to play a really central role in a company's sustainability practice. And during that process, forming strong narratives that work through actionable strategies become really critical. And at Archilic we position the communications function as a gatekeeper during that transformation, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say with that is that, you know, in the conventional sense of the word, if you're a communicational professional, you tell a story. Mm-hmm. Instead, we took communication a step further. We moved from being a messenger to an integrator among different units to make sustainability a strong narrative at Architect. So it's not only you tell the story but you help the organization find its next story. To be able to do that, um, you need communications professionals to become sustainability experts just the same. I think um, coming back to our initial discussion on my background in sustainability turning into communications, that really came in handy because this is exactly what I meant by saying understanding the issues can drive narrative in a more impactful way. And I think at Archidic, as a result, we stopped asking the question, who owns sustainability and said, we all do. And what's more, we built corporate platforms so that not only the communications team, but everyone in the organization has a voice in sustainability. You asked about our business model and I mentioned our executive sustainability committee, but we also have Sustainability as a business model, Stierco, which is an incubation hub for the value assessment of products and services across different units focusing on sustainability. We also have a sustainability communications committee. Regular meetings with employees from different functions allow us to deep dive and find better stories. I think as a result of all these efforts, we went from a linear way of working to a more iterative way of working with other units. Rather than communicating the existing story, we became part of the story creation. And we were in a position to challenge other teams by asking tough questions. And I think that just made a difference.
1: So that's what you mean with this, I love the term from messenger to integrator. So by listening and being in touch with the business much more, you were able to embed and challenge, you know, embed the perspective of the of the business and challenge also the business on kind of in the co-creation of the sustainability narrative. Exactly. Sounds really interesting. Tell me a little bit more about the sustainability communications committee that you just mentioned. So how does it work? So what kind of topics, you know, what kind of task does this committee has to fulfill?
0: I mean, we meet on an ad hoc basis. It could be right. about product communications, You know, about our new technologies that we're planning to launch in a certain amount of time. It could be about a new investment focusing on sustainability. We come together with relevant teams to deep dive, to brainstorm what kind of a story we can actually create. You know, um, what are the loopholes, if there are any? Um, We also look at our work with our brand uh, marketing teams to see the kind of brand related communications that we're planning to make sure that there are not no loopholes. In our line of business, you need to understand that greenwashing is a huge issue. So I think having these ad hoc meetings allow us to challenge each other so that when we're telling a story, we are 100% sure that we are telling the right story and there are no overtelling, if you like, in that case. So these platforms allow us to actually challenge ourselves, challenge each other, to make sure that we walk the talk.
1: Super interesting. So I guess it's, it's highly cross-functional, this it is. this, this committee. So not only comms, but sure. who else is in, the, sure. in, this, in this meeting?
0: It's quite the opposite. It's actually everyone else in addition wow. to comms.
1: So cool. So you mentioned the importance of a strong narrative that you would co-develop with your business. What do you think are other um, success factors for the successful communication of your sustainability transformation, both internally and externally?
0: Success factors, I think that you understand that this is a journey, that you create small wins before you can have actually big wins. You always work cross-functional. I mean, communications is not an island, It Mm -hmm. is integral to the organization. The more communications and sustainability are more mainstreamed into the organization, the better the results. You can't just communicate externally. You need to have the buy-in of your employees first. We're talking about 45,000 employees. Mm -hmm. And unless your own people are buying your story, are in tune with your story, are supporting your story... I think you have a problem. So um, transformation starts from within. And that is to say that culture of the organization is extremely important. And you you need to work on establishing and reestablishing and constantly looking at your culture, the way you do business, the way you engage with your employees, the way you live sustainability within your organization Uh, You just need to make sure that it resonates with with your employees and it's in alignment with what you're doing externally. I think also leadership from the top of the organization to the very intern working in your organization to get Mm -hmm. aligned behind a strategy. I think these things do matter and create um, the the critical success factors going forward.
1: Okay, let's look behind the Archele curtain a little bit uh, to see what you are doing to create a culture of sustainability. I guess you have a very diverse global organization and people across the world, as I mentioned at the beginning. So how do you foster an understanding for sustainability internally?
0: Um, I think acknowledgement is key, that you mm-hmm. know, a company the size of Archelieu cannot become a sustainable organization on its own. You just need to give credit to to your employees, and we're very good at it. You know, we have forty five thousand employees, and everyone knows whether through its th- their their own KPI sets or um, the the achievements they have, they know that they contribute to our sustainability transformation as an organization. We also focus on take events for example. I mean, we have events guidelines where every time we're organizing events, we make sure that those are sustainable events with. Um, either offset or zero emission um, events that we're organizing, that our office spaces are, are sustainable from an energy efficiency point of view, water usage, we waste manage, you know, you do all those things. So it just becomes part of your um, daily um, organizational practice. But you also try to come together and have fun together. Um, for example, just a couple weeks ago, we had um, a a cultural relaunch across the organization where we organized a 24-hour live event across the globe at uh, more than 30, 35 um, countries' participation, a 24-hour live blogging event um, around the world. And that was incredible, you know, where people were engaging, try to do a cleanup in their own local communities, those kinds of events also contribute to this alignment behind a common purpose. That's what I could say.
1: Super fascinating. So what has been the biggest challenges in engaging stakeholders on Archer League? Yeah, I'm really happy
0: that you're asking that question because hearing myself, I just thought that I made it look super easy. And no, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. Uh, I guess this, so. This journey hasn't always been easy isn't easy. Um, it takes incredible commitment at the corporate level to reinstate the culture more sustainably, to encourage our consumers and co-workers to commit to a better future. And one of the key aspects of our transformation um, was the um, ambitious targets we set for ourselves early on. And We shifted quickly from a business as usual standpoint to Mm -hmm. a more driven and environmentally conscious new business model. And a complete transition can't be achieved individually. We're talking about a huge amount of investment, corporate culture restructuring, a new business model. And you really need to work on the company level altogether Mm -hmm. to make it happen, following from the the previous question. Um, At this point, I think integrating employees to this journey was one of the most challenging parts and as a leading global manufacturer of home appliances, we're operating in 53 countries and the 45,000 people workforce is really not making it easy. It's Mm. um, not easy to encourage such a large number of people to change um, their mindset. So you really need to use every possible tool to include your employees in your strategy, give them a voice to express their environmental concerns, engage, um, we aim to inspire our employees to um, adopt a sustainability mindset, both in their professional and also personal lives. And to share our sustainability roadmap, I mean, I I mentioned plugging, but we also do stuff like sustainability days, for example, Mm invite guest speakers from leading corporations, NGOs, to increase knowledge and competence on sustainability at the corporate level little tips and tricks in their daily lives in their you know working days all of that um, coming together um, to a coherent committed single vision and you know i think there's the prevalent myth that sustainability is a cost driver without any meaningful returns we absolutely don't believe that we kept demonstrating as an organization that this isn't the case and not only focusing on sustainability as economic value, but it also allows a company to expand its ambitions by strengthening its reputation and brand value. We're living proof of that. So, you know, once people's perspectives, and I mean, in the, the larger sense, including uh-huh. all stakeholders started to change, I think everything started to move exponentially faster. So coming back to the very first question, it started internally, but the external Conversation, external trends helped move this um, journey faster, further.
1: Super interesting. Also, coming back to one of the topics at the beginning, the role of your CEO, uh, which is obviously uh, um, um, very much behind this sustainability transformation. Now, I guess many of our listeners will look with envy on you because they will need they have to preach more the topic of sustainability towards their business, towards their leadership team and maybe don't have that strong leading figure at the top. Do you have any recommendations for your peers in terms of how do you bring the executive team behind this journey and really kind of create awareness and convince them about the business benefit of sustainability? Because you're right, many still think it's a cost driver. And it's, I guess, it's hard to convey that message.
0: Well, when you're talking about a CEO, the first thing comes to mind is your shareholders, your bottom line, your financial returns, results. Um, So, numbers speak louder than words, you know. Um, You just need to find a way to communicate the actual tangible value. And you need to start by, you know, small wins. I mean, you cannot just go in and transform the entire organization. I mean, at Archilink, for example, when I took the job over um, almost seven years ago now, six and a half years, seven years ago now, we didn't have a sustainability narrative. We didn't have a corporate narrative at all to begin with, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and Archilink, with all its global brands, what was at the beginning of its uh, massive growth journey. And so we made the story from a communications perspective about Architek's growth journey in different regions around the world. And while we were telling that growth journey, we started embedding sustainability elements into Mm -hmm. our narrative. And that resonated well because growth, you know, is a very important and very well sought after Business communications tagline, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not only communications, it's, it's, it's the, the objective of the business to grow and sure. become more profitable. But we started embedding sustainability in there. And then after all these years, sustainability became the narrative itself, leaving behind the growth journey. That only happened because incrementally we saw the, the benefit of the story benefit of the focus of sustainability and you need to understand that communications cannot tell something that doesn't exist in an organization so unless you find a way to mainstream sustainability into your organization make sustainability part of your business strategy no matter what the strength of your communications team no matter um, how Um, driven your CEO, have committed your CEO to sustainability, you're not going to have a story to tell. So it's really critical that you make it a part of your business strategy and work with all functions within the organization to find the value that it creates for the organization as a whole. Otherwise, it just becomes reports and um, news releases.
1: I love, you know, I love how you overcame this tension between sustainability and growth by weaving the topic of sustainability more and more into your corporate narrative. So smart. So really cool. Thank you. So looking forward, what are your ambition as communications leader? What do you strive to achieve with your company in the area of sustainability?
0: I mean, like I said, this is a journey, a marathon, and there is no end to the things that you could do. There's always more. Um, We have very ambitious targets. We're checking every year, every other year uh, to make sure that we're on the right track. And the more strength we have in the arena of sustainability. It's a communications professionals paradise. The more we will be telling those stories, position ourselves at leading platforms, even more so, and and sustain our position as an industry leader in the arena of sustainability would be a dream um, come true. I think looking ahead, my ambition is to be recognized as one of the world's top sustainable corporations, are very well-known with all its um, international brands worldwide. We just want to become the household name when somebody asks, top of mind, what is the most sustainable company in the world? And if someone comes and says, it's Archidic or Beko, that would make me very happy.
1: And we certainly wish you all the best on, that, uh, on achieving this ambition. And uh, we thank you a lot for joining today's podcast here.
0: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure
1: and it was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you for listening to Future Ready. Future Ready is produced by COSIN, a global communications and change agency on a mission to shape more healthy and thriving businesses. Find out more at wearecosin.com. Watch out for all the upcoming episodes of our sustainability season, where we will continue to talk to several experts from different industries to share their experience and insights on sustainability. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review or forward this show to someone who you think will love it. Thank you very much for this in advance and until very soon.